0: No, just like the water doesn't know but little crabs, <laughs> He's doing his own thing. He's, you know, trying to eat his mother, the moon. So that's always fun. <music> Greetings, travelers. Welcome back to Tales from the Enchanted Forest with your animal companions, Fox and Sparrow. Camusta, that's me. If you've been following us on Twitter at From Enchanted, then you will know that we have been following the oral tradition and listening to many fantastic stories from our animal friends. Our stories today are from the Philippines, specifically credit to the Visayan tradition. These tales seek to explain animal behaviors and were often told in good fun to children. The collection of these tales into written sources began late, and if you stick around for our five fantastic finds, we will deep dive into the different categories of Filipino folklore. But in the meantime, Remember that good things come in small packages.
1: So today, instead of doing one giant tale, we're covering three fun sized stories, all for the price of one episode.
0: Huh? Huh? Fun, right? So much fun! Fox, are you having fun? I am. So with that, please enjoy our three for one deal.
1: Our first story today is The Hawk and the Hen. Once upon a time, There was a hawk that flew high in the sky, who was quite taken by a hen he often saw walking on the earth. He decided that he wanted to marry her, so he searched far and wide until he found her at last. The hawk came down and asked the hen to be his wife, and she agreed on the condition that he would wait until she grew wings like his and be able to fly high with him. He agreed to this, giving her a beautiful engagement ring for her to wear and asked her to take good care of it before flying away again. This is cute! We're starting with like a little romance. The hawk and the hen.
0: <laughs> I feel like there's something almost creepy about this behavior. He comes down and finds her and is like, ah, oh, you know, you should be my wife. But I think she's swerving him because she's saying, you know what, I'll grow wings and I'll fly with you, but hens don't really fly so but maybe she doesn't know that yet maybe not but i mean you have we have to assume that she has a mother and siblings unless she's been taken away from them but she's seen other hens and other chickens Mm -hmm. so it might be a very polite way of saying oh you know when pigs fly i'll marry you oh see i read this as
1: i wanna i just wanna be with you up there I read is very cutie
0: I read it as I stay away from me. This is never (laughs) going to happen. (laughs) Awkward. I guess we just have different jaded looks on life. (laughs) I think that makes sense
1: when you say it that way. She could also just be like one of those more ditzy girls who are just like really genuine, like, oh yeah, like
0: one day I'm going to be up there with you and that's going to be like great. Sure, it could be that she's just ditzy and doesn't know that she can't fly yet. But I wonder if maybe this tale will also go into this is why hens can't fly. Maybe he'll clip her wings or something just as sadistic when he finds out that she doesn't actually want to marry him. Either way, she
1: wore the ring proudly upon her neck. However, the next day she came across the rooster who looked gobsmacked as he looked at her and he shouted, Why are you wearing that ring? Do you not remember that you promised to be my wife? You can't wear the promised ring of anyone else. Now throw that away! To the rooster. Bro, if you really liked her, then you should have put a ring on it. Uh, She doesn't seem to have any other ring. I think you needed to give her a ring.
0: But they're birds. Why do they have rings to start with? The rooster's probably like, Who gave you a ring? We're not humans. And I think this is one of the issues that comes up when you have animals that you've clearly humanized to some extent, is that some of the things don't fully make sense. Because if you give a hen a ring and she has to wear it around her neck, that's a necklace. Well, I mean, but is she attaching it to something to wear around her neck? Is she just that, like, is the ring that big that she can just, like, plop it over her head? The logistics of this are, you know, meaningless in the overall story, but they're so fun to think about because they don't make sense. And they're the kind of things that children will probably bring up because children are just so curious and they ask those hard questions. So a child will probably be like, hmm, why do the birds have rings, mom? And then you have to explain to them. And then they go, but why? But why? But why?
1: And eventually you get that because I said so line, which is always fun. (laughs) In this case, I imagined it. You know how rings are on another string, and then it essentially becomes a necklace? But that doesn't make any sense. Then you would have to tie off the string in such a way where it's big enough to round her neck. And at that point, why are we just not describing this as a necklace? But it does say she wore it around her neck. So, I'm not sure. Hmm. Take that, fables. Debunking your favorite fables. No, no, okay, okay. Hear me out, hear me out. If the hawk has access to getting a very beautiful ring, then maybe this means he's got human friends. And first of all, he's taking this ring. Maybe he can explain to his human friends, like, hey, I also need a string to put this around this hen's neck because, like, I really like her and I want her to have this. But she also doesn't have fingers, so can you help me out? That's my theory. He's got human friends helping him out who are cheering him
0: on. That's my headcanon. What I take this as is someone is telling a story to their friend and they have to make up different character names so that people don't know it's about her and her ex-boyfriend. So she's like, oh, yeah. And then this hawk flew down and gave the hen, the beautiful hen, a ring. And then she goes from there and it's like, you tell a story and you say, well, somebody I know did this, even though it's really about you. Yeah. That's what it evolves from. You think so?
1: I I can actually believe that. I I would actually believe (laughs) that someone was trying to make up this story to get a friend's advice and then they told it to their kids because they thought it was fun. And then next thing you know, the whole village just found out and they're like, what do you think they mean with this hawk and the hen?
0: Well, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about oral tradition is that it changes and evolves as time goes on. So it could very easily have been an actual event that happened that got turned into something else. It could have just been from the very start a story. And the cool thing about oral tradition to me is to see how it changes between different regions, Mm -hmm. because usually you have similar stories and they just change different facts. They make it more relatable to their culture, to their atmosphere. And so I personally think oral tradition can evolve from pretty much anything. And we don't know. So we could be sitting here talking about the story and being like, oh, my God, this is so deep. It's in in context to this and this. But the actual people could have just been, oh, that's a story we tell kids, like a bedtime story. One of the reasons why I think anthropology is so important is that we preserve these stories and we preserve the time that we heard them and the time that we, where they were told. Mm-hmm. And we can then see how they evolve as time keeps going on. So you hear that, dear travelers?
1: Take note of the time you heard us telling you this story because someday anthropologists are going to want to know this stuff! They're going to want these facts! Alright? Do them a favor. <laughs> Take notes.
0: Well, I studied anthropology for a bit, and it was so cool because we literally be going through diary entries and just scraps that people have written on, and most of the time, just people's garbage. Ew. And that's the kind of stuff that you help build. Well, not it was like fossilized garbage or just you know. Oh, okay. Cool garbage. Cool garbage. Yeah. So the idea is that you can build a picture of a civilization, but you can never have the complete picture, and that's why anthropologists struggle so much with placing and dating. The fossil record because we can we can we have the facts of this body was buried here and there were flowers around them and we have to figure out was this a religious ceremony was this a cultural ceremony was the death ritual what happened here and we can only make up our own assumptions but we won't know the truth the same thing is true of literature we read and we hear these stories but we don't know what the origins are most of the time Just some quick, you know, love hen it. and hawk facts.
1: <laughs> I love it. Anthropologists will be interested in that, and we're interested in knowing what happens next. So our very passive protagonist threw away the ring without a second thought. But, of course, not long after, the hawk returns with a beautiful dress made of feathers for the hen. Understandably uh, ashamed, the hen initially hid, but soon came out when she saw the gorgeous gown immediately the hawk asks what happened to the ring i gave you why aren't you wearing it Uh don't know hawk maybe you should have gotten her jewelry she can actually wear last i checked hens didn't (laughs) have fingers where rings are traditionally worn i think that's on you but also
0: i think i missed this the first time i read this story over He got her a dress made with feathers. Yes, he
1: got her a dress. Imagine going
0: up to your your fiancé and giving them a dress made out of human flesh Ah! or nails or hair. Ah! That's so creepy. This just confirms that Hawk is so creepy. And she she was maybe trying to, you know, keep the ring or keep him at bay. And that's why she gave him this non-answer of, I'll marry you when I can fly, even though chickens can't fly. But he brought her a dress... Unless they're his feathers, but that's also weird. Like, hey, babe, I got you this dress and it's covered in my old body hair. It's creepy. That is actually...
1: I didn't think about it that way, but yeah, that is super gross and creepy. Ugh.
0: So creepy. Ugh. <laughs> we don't like Hawk. We're not Team Hawk. T- not Team Hawk. I like- Rooster would never... It's true.
1: Rooster was like, I-, I thought we agreed to get married, and then you have this ring. What- what- what's going on, girl? But yeah, I wanted to point out, the hen seems to like this dress, though. He didn't know where she was. She hid. And then she comes out of hiding because she saw this dress and was
0: like, oh, dang. That's nice. Like, apparently this is working for her. Ugh. I have no words, but maybe she realized that he's crazy and he's going to hunt her down with his weird flying stocking and that she might as well just come out and confront the fact that he had a weird flesh um, hair dress for her. I
1: wonder how she was supposed to wear that dress? What does a
0: a dress for, for chickens look like? I'm sure there's a market for it, though, because I see lots of cows and farm videos on Instagram and TikTok now, and I think that is a big thing where they dress them up and it's so cute. So I'm sure we could find dresses for hens. The hen panicked and sputtered.
1: Well, you see, I I was in the garden yesterday, and this horrid snake frightened me. I ran away as fast as I could, but I dropped the ring as I fled. The hawk looked at her sharply and balked at her. I didn't believe you could behave so badly. When you find the ring, I will come down once more to make you my wife. But as punishment for breaking your promise... You must always scratch the ground to look for the ring. And every chicken of yours that I find, I shall snatch away. With that, he flew away, and all chickens around the world continued to scratch the ground, looking for the ring. And that's the story of the hawk and the hen. So... (laughs) Now, dear travelers, you understand why hens scratch the
0: ground. Very scientific, I know. As I said before, I like these kind of stories because people look at these animals and they go, Why is that animal performing this specific behavior? Mm-hmm. And they come up with a story for it, which I think we don't do enough of anymore. We don't really look at animals, the world around us, and think, why does that behave that way? And I think this alludes to a lot of curiosity. And obviously we don't had at the time we didn't have the science to be like, okay, this is the exact reason. Or, you know, children, the people who are the audience for these stories, they won't understand fully that, oh, chickens scratch the ground, forage for food, because they know it's there somewhere. And so while the adults might know that, and because they've watched these creatures, they tell these stories to children as a way of making them imagine a different type of world. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so valuable because we live in almost a kind of scientific world nowadays where everything needs to have... The truth behind it and that's the only truth about it and sometimes i think kids are just given straight up scientific answers when they ask why questions which i'm not slamming i think it's very important for kids to know the actual science behind things and i think that's a very good teaching moment for them but in terms of stories i think it helps you build up your imagination and to see the world in a different light as opposed to just a scientific one which is in light of the fantasy world the imaginative world things where people are like this could be because there was once a hawk and hen relationship as opposed to they're just foraging for food.
1: I quite enjoyed coming up with these fun answers to some of these questions. Even, even just last week, I was with a friend of mine. Like, we were looking at pictures of turtles, because why wouldn't you look at turtles? So we were looking at this term, we're like, why does it move so slowly <laughs> in general? And I was coming up with different answers like, ah, it's just lazy. It doesn't want to move. Why would you want to move? And she's like, ah, it's got a heavy shell in its back. It's, it's just the way it is. And then we had a third friend who was like, well, actually, on Wikipedia, it says this and this and this. And I found that it was cool to learn the actual answer, but I missed the times when we would talk for a really long time about your nonsensical answers, about, like, theorizing things, not just going up online being like, well, this is actually what the internet tells me, so it must be true. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: I agree. I think at some point we shift in school as well as instead of talking about creating our own stories and creating our own explanations for things in English class specifically and making something, we switch into the mindset of explaining other people's works. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with reading books and sharing literature in a way that's more um, systematic where you're like, okay, what is the meaning of this story? What are the characters transformations? And, you know, those essay type questions. But I think that creative writing should be explored more in high school and in universities just as a writing style, but also as an exercise in detaching yourself from the reality of the world Mm -hmm. and allowing yourself to make up your own worlds and your own kind of explanations for things. Obviously, I don't mean this in lieu of scientific fact and teaching scientific fact, but I think doing creative exercises alongside science is always a good take because you give children a chance to learn And to make up their own stories as well. So if you ask a child, why do you think chickens peck the ground? And you told them, tell me any story you want about it. I think they allow themselves to let their imagination kind of work. And that's the only way really you can get your imagination to work is if you also use it and you just don't read about it. You don't just watch it on TV, but you actively create things. Mm -hmm.
1: It's one of the reasons I feel a lot of people like WandaVision, like when we're watching that week by week. Remember? Way back when, when we watched WandaVision week by week, <laughs> we would theorize because yeah. we didn't know for sure how the story was going to end. And that was exciting. And there was no hard facts we could turn to. Anyways, I thought that was a fun time.
0: No, I thought that was really fun. I think that's one of the reasons why I do not like when people have spoilers from either the books or the comics. Because one of the great things about watching a show like WandaVision or you know Game of Thrones was that anything could happen. There was no scope of... This is the limit. When there's no limit, you can allow yourself to think, oh my god, this is what's going to happen next, or I think they're going to introduce this character. But when you're doing that and someone comes in and they say, oh, according to the comics, this happens, it kind of ruins the thrill and the anticipation. And that's a big part of watching a series week to week is the anticipation of it, of not knowing what's going to happen next. So when those, you know, fanboys and fangirls come out and they say, oh, but according to the comics, this happens and this will happen and this won't happen, it limits you because you now have boundaries you now have limits of what you can think can happen and so i personally prefer when people when they're watching something like this like a movie or a tv series they stay away from the spoilers as much as possible so they can go into it with no boundaries
1: Mm -hmm. to be fair to One Division, i felt like the comic fan community specifically When it first started, before an episode aired, they were like, yep, this is what's going to happen, guys. It's going to be this storyline. We know it. House of M, all that good stuff. And I felt like by the end of episode two or three, they were just as equally confused as everyone else. If anything, they were more (laughs) thrown because they had more information to deal with, but nothing was quite adding up the way they thought it was. And it was just all big mess. So I
0: quite enjoyed that. (laughs) (laughs) throwing everyone for a loop. And that's the exciting part. The exciting part is Mm -hmm. not knowing and wondering what direction it's going to take. It's so exciting to have a novel you're reading make you literally on the edge of your seat because you don't know where it's going to go. And I think that is what we need more of in the world. We need more creativity. We need more pushing boundaries. Mm -hmm. We need more artistic freedom to just create things. And with that, we have another story. (laughs)
1: you asked for more fox we got another one this one is called the spider and the fly there was a spider who was terribly in love with a fly however the fly did not love the spider back and I personally cannot blame her for that spiders are very creepy and yeah I I would be running away or flying away as fast as I could the spider was one of those guys who would not take no for an answer. So one day, the fly went home and boiled some water. When the spider came over asking her to be his wife, the fly opened the door and threw the boiling water at him. Naturally, the spider was not too pleased about this and cried, I will never forgive you for this, but I and my descendants We'll always despise you. We will never give you any peace. And the spider kept his word to this very day as we see spiders' hatred for the fly. I guess because they eat them? (laughs) That's pretty extreme. (laughs) (laughs) So that's it. That's the whole story. It's so short and sweet, right? Not sweet.
0: I think it's another case of creepy animals (laughs) getting their just desserts. I, I don't know, I think I'm reading too much into it, but I think the hawk was creepy, I think the spider is creepy, I think this entire theme of unrequited love is a bit strange because you have these obvious characters that don't show why they deserve to be loved, they don't show why they should be loved by the character they're also in love with, but they do decide to punish the other animal. This is supposed to just be a story about why spiders hate flies, and this is obviously just a shorn version that you tell kids, and that you share. So I don't think it's as serious as I'm like, oh my god, they're such stalkers, they're so weird. But it just shows. It's a bit more hard-hitting when you think about it. I
1: mean, I never knew till
0: right now that I
1: needed the real reason behind why spiders eat flies. I can just understand the flies not being chill with this situation, just trying to mind their own business, and then bam, they find the web. But who knew they had such deep-rooted hatred for each other simply because someone said (laughs) no to a date and marriage.
0: It's like the whole Capula and um, Mercutio thing where like they hate each other and the two families don't get along. And It's a whole big thing, but it comes down to just a couple simple factors at the very end of it.
1: Yeah. I just feel bad for this fly, man. The spider. Again, the spider is so creepy. (sighs) Spiders. Ah,
0: On that note, though, one of my favorite things about Filipino folklore traditions that I found is that they have a category under their animal tales for judgment or chain stories where animals try and accuse other animals of something and they go and see, you know, the wise owl or the wise creature that's supposed to pass judgment. And everyone kind of blames each other. They go, well, the spider did this. Well, the fly did this. And I had to do this in return until they get to the culprit. So I feel like putting all of these animals on trial would be hilarious. Like an oh animal gosh, court kind of situation where the spider is pressing charges against the fly for assault but then the fly is pressing charges for harassment and stalking a judge
1: judy situation
0: i would like a judge judy situation for the animals from these stories i think mm. one it'd be hilarious yes but two i would watch it right i'd be like okay let's put the spider and the fly on trial and kind of like that mock trial situation in high school and if you have a law class they usually make up situations that you have to try and argue the other side so I think this would be a fun exercise.
1: Oh, that'd be so much fun. Although I would skip the episode spider.
0: Yeah, if it was like a realistic looking spider. We're not here for that.
1: I don't know why I did this, but I googled one spider question and it showed me a picture of a spider and I like closed that tab so fast and like erased my search history just so that my Google would not think I want anything to do with spiders. I was like, ah, I wish no I
0: wish there was an extension you can add to Chrome or something gets rid of all of the bug pictures because recently we found some white little bugs on the bottom side of one of our plants Mm -hmm. of the snake plant and i was trying to figure out what it was and i thought at first it was just maybe mold or dust or something but like i blew on it and the the thing started crawling and i was so terrified i took the plant outside and left it overnight because i'm like i'm not dealing with this right now these these are creepy but every time i tried to look for like plant care instructions or try I googled like snake plant white bugs they would show close up pictures of the bugs <laughs> and I just think that's unnecessary like I don't it want is. to see it I've already seen it crawling all over my plant I understand for like identification purposes like a, like not a close up but like a far off picture of what the leaf would look like with the bug on it but I am already terrified cuz there are like all these tiny little creepy bugs on my uh. plant and for you to show me like a close up of what they actually look like I My heart was beating so fast. I was like, what if they're in my hair? What if they're on my Ah! hair? They're so gross. I love having plants, but bugs absolutely terrify me. I'm so scared of bugs of any kind. Ugh.
1: So I think we both agreed we need Judge Judy Animal Court Case TV show. People, get on this. We're watching it. Or just send us (laughs) any video I have of animals going to court. For cute and fun reasons, or your memes, we want it all. We want to see this.
0: And until then, we'll just watch Zootopia over and over again. But they're not really bad. Yes. Or wait for the Zootopia uh, TV show. Is there a Zootopia TV show? Yeah, it's coming to Disney+. Plus. You sent me the link for it. Yeah, but that was ages ago. I just assumed they scrapped it. They just haven't done anything with it. No, it takes
1: time to make these things.
0: By the time they make them, I lose interest. Okay, well, we will gain interest again. Well, the problem with Disney Plus TV shows is that they they get interest, and then most of the time, that interest, whether they like it or not, is from an, is it like from an older audience? Like TV shows like Gravity Falls, Owl House, Amphibia, I feel like those shows started off kind of cater to kids, like they were playing both sides, but then obviously at a certain point, they realize they need to have they have a more mature audience, they can go into darker themes, but then they they either cancel the show or they stop the show, or they end the show prematurely, and it's just, it's too much. I'm still upset about Isle House not getting a full third season. It didn't um, get a full third season? No. It got, <gasps> so the first season apparently was more playing both sides and more episodic because they wanted it to be played on Disney, the Disney Channel. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the second season was more how the creator wanted it to look like. So it was mm-hmm. a bit darker it had overall themes it had a storyline nice. uh, and then apparently the third season is just going to be i think three hour long specials or something like that it'll just be like a wrap-up basically <gasps> wow i don't understand why i'm like disney i am i am watching for these shows give me more of these shows exactly the adult animation industry is huge people like like adults like to watch animated shows like midnight gospel rick and morty you know all of those shows People want to watch them, but you keep canceling them. I really
1: like the shows that, can be, that I could like watch with my niece, and I get a lot out of it too. I love when they can strike yeah. that balance the most. While we were waiting for these shows, let's continue on with our next and final story of the day. The Battle of the Crabs. One day, all the crabs of the land gathered together to discuss a very important matter. Perhaps... One of the biggest problems known to all crabs, nay, to all creatures, big and small. What shall we do with the waves? They sing so loudly all the time. Nobody can get a wink of sleep around here. Truly, the crabs are one of the deepest thinkers of the animal kingdom. Except for, you know, the fox and the sparrow. We're, we're the deepest, but, you know, crabs, they come close. A wise, elderly crab turned to his brotherland and spoke, Well, I believe it's finally time. We go to war with the waves. It's the only way. With that, the crabs prepared for war. Dawn of the following day, all male crabs gathered and began to march towards the sea.
0: Did they go on a crab walk? <laughs> yeah, that was real bad. Okay, that was really bad. I just, I, I couldn't let it go. I had to say something. <laughs> Along the way,
1: they came across a shrimp who inquired as to where they were going. We are going to fight the waves, for they are noisy. They keep us up all night. It is ridiculous. Some of us have work in the morning, and it is lowering the property values of our sandy homes. We will not stand for it no more! The shrimp choked on a laugh as he spoke. I highly doubt that you will succeed. The waves are very, very strong, and your legs are so weak. Seriously, your body even bends to the ground when you walk. Perhaps you could cut out a few carbs and work out a little bit more. This angered the crabs, and they pinched the shrimp until he promised to help them with their noble battle. So now the crabby crabs, with the shrimp in a pinch, marched towards the shore. Once there, the crabs noticed that the shrimp had funny eyes that were not quite like theirs. Laughing at the shrimp, they asked, Shrimp friend, your face is turned the wrong way weapon will you wield against these wild waves? My weapon is the spear upon my head, the shrimp boasted. And just then, the shrimp saw a giant wave approaching, and he skedaddled on out of there faster than you can say Jackie Robinson. Unfortunately, the crabs literally did not see it coming, for they were looking towards the shore the wave came crashing down over them, pulling them into the sea, where they all drowned. This whole thing is
0: a bit strange, mostly because (laughs) of the story. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's a bit strange, but mostly because there is another Filipino or Mandaya story. It's a folk story about the sun and moon and their child, this giant crab named Tambanoko. Sorry. This giant crab named Tambanoko how do I say this? Tamban Okano. Okay. There's another folklore story by the Mandaya, and it's about the sun and moon having this child, a giant crab called Tamban Okano. And he lives in the ocean, and when he moves around the bottom, it's his body moving that causes the great waves on the surface of the sea. Mm-hmm. So the little crabs are upset about the waves and what they're doing, but If you were to take in this other story in this other tradition, the one that's causing those waves is another giant crab. So, take that as you will, but I think it just means the root of all our problems are by other people that are just like us. Imagine. Are we just
1: overlooking the fact that these little crabs are just gonna fight the ocean? That's it! They're gonna fight water
0: and make it stop. <laughs> it is it is very weird. It's almost like it is a child, like a story you tell a child, because an adult will be like, "That's weird." But a child could see these little armies of crabs going up to fight water and fight the waves. The wave isn't personified as a creature or a spirit or a living thing. It's just water that makes noise. <laughs> That's it. I wonder if this could be categorized under the Filipino folklore tradition of the numskull tales where just stupid things happen. Well, I'm a
1: fan of numbskull tales, (laughs) let me tell you.
0: (laughs) Or maybe it's supposed to say some commentary about why crabs and shrimp don't get along. At this point, the waves,
1: the ocean, have killed all the male crabs. And so it's, you know, ocean one, crab zero. Soon, the women began to worry as their husbands had not returned. So they decided to get some agency and aid in the glorious battle. But as soon as they arrived, another wave immediately swept over them and killed them all. That's two-nothing for the waves. Uh... <laughs> Sometime later, many little crabs would appear once more on the shore, and the shrimp would tell the tale of their brave parents and their terrible, terrible fate. To this day, These crabs can be seen on the shore, rushing towards the sea, but they remember the tragedy of their forefathers, and they retreat to the safety of the land. And that is the Battle of the Crabs! And I, for one, love, love, love this tale. I love the imagery of these crabs getting together, talking through the plan, and deciding, yes, the best course of action is to fight the ocean and the waves. We can do it, guys. We can take it. And then they go, and they immediately all get killed. (laughs) There's not even, like, one survivor,
0: like, nope. (laughs) It seems to me these stories have either love or scorned love or the opposite, which is war. So everything can come down to either love or war. And here, we just have war.
1: All's fair in love and war.
0: Because you could also make a really cute story here about how the crab wanted to dance with the waves, and then they're stuck in this kind of pattern where the crab will drown if it gets too close to the wave, but it still wants to be near it, so anytime the waves pull back, it dances over. I mean, there's so many things you could make about this story. I just like that they decided war was what they were going to do.
1: And it it completely wiped them out. Like Nobody thought this through. Nobody. Ugh.
0: I like the combination of the two folklores as well. If we were to imagine that the big monstrous crab under the sea is the reason why the waves are happening in the first place and yes. the little crabs are staging a mutiny against the waves. And he probably doesn't even know about the little crabs. No, just like the water doesn't know about the little crabs. <laughs> He's doing his own thing. He's you know, trying to eat his mother, the moon. So that's always fun. Fox. We have a battle to fight
1: and a war to win against the dastardly waves. But before we march on, we must arm ourselves with five fantastic finds.
0: Number one. Indigenous Filipino mythology, legends, and religion help explain the connection human have with the living world. Under the belief system of Maridit, everything possesses a soul, and the Taglugar are the nature spirits that dwell unseen. Respect for these spirits and their contribution towards making a livable world for humans is essential to living in harmony. The Taglugar can make their wrath known by sending famine, disease, earthquakes, and other natural disasters. In some places, it is considered essential to say Tabi Tabi, or a version of the chant when entering an unknown place where spirits may reside. This is a way of announcing yourself, your goodwill, and your acknowledgement of spirits, whose areas you are infringing on. Filipino culture, history, and religious beliefs can be seen in Netflix's Tressé, which was adapted from a Filipino comic series of the same name by Bujet Tan and Kajo Baldesimo. The show, as well as the comic, follows a healer warrior named Alexandra Tressé as she confronts the paranormal in Manila. This show follows a recent string of fairy tale adaptations by Netflix, including Maya and the Three and A Tale Dark and Grim. Number two. It is amazing to think that the crabs' plan to fight the waves
1: didn't work. They had a meeting about it, they all agreed on it, and yet it still went awry. So what went wrong? Well, if they stopped to think about it, they might have realized that fighting a force of nature, i.e. the ocean, was never going to end well. The shrimp even tried to point this out, but the crabs only heard the shrimp insulting them and didn't listen. This is what you'd call the I didn't think this through trope. And boy, do the results of this trope range from hilarious to outright infuriating. It starts with a group of characters who design a plan that will solve a problem they are facing. However, due to rush planning or general not thinking, the team will overlook a huge flaw in the plan that dooms the chances of success. It can be as simple as seen in Friends when Chandler finally gets fed up with his job in Oklahoma and quits on the spot. He then returns home as happy as can be until Rachel asks what he's going to do now. He pauses as he finally thinks things through and states this trope by name. But my personal favorite example of this comes from the 2001 movie Recess, Schools Out. The crux of this movie is that the villain, Dr. Benedict, hates summer vacation so much that he wants it canceled. So instead of lobbying that his school district should switch to year-round schooling, He makes a machine that will create an ice age, which would end summer and therefore end summer vacation. Like, this guy never heard of a snow day? And what makes him think that kids wouldn't still get time off? Even as a kid, I was super confused by this plan and the moon-sized problem with it.
0: Number three. According to the mother of Philippine folklore, Damian L. Igeno, from the University of the Philippines, Folk tales from this country can be categorized into the following distinct categories: animal tales and fables, tales of magic, novelistic or romantic tales, religious or didactic tales, and humorous tales, which are then divided into trickster and numskull. She describes the different classifications but also acknowledges that the actual number of stories is far greater than the collected record, due to the exclusion of certain ethnic minorities. Some of these tales have international origins, but the cultural changes made them reflect the details of the Filipino way of life. For example, in the popular Cinderella pattern, the helper is not a fairy godmother, but the girl's mother, who appears in the form of a crab. She is also referenced as washing clothes by the river, which was a common household task of Filipino country girls. My favorite type of this tale is the numskull tale, which usually features the Filipino trickster character that goes by one. The hilarious situations he gets himself into are reminiscent of current sitcom type shows where we place the same ensemble cast into different situations with humor fueled by misunderstandings for example in one of his tales his mother requests that he brings home a quiet wife so he returns with a corpse cue the laugh track (laughs) number four sometimes in past
1: episodes we have struggled to make sense of stories lessons philosophy, and moral ideas. But this time, all three of our tales have had a very distinct takeaway at the end of each of them, as each tale is meant to explain specific animal behaviors. We can see stories like this all across the world from every culture, creating stories to explain why things are the way they are. Today, the practice of studying and understanding animal behavior is known as ethology. The term derives from the Greek word ethos, meaning character, and of course, ology, meaning study of. And Darwin's finches are thought to be one of the first in-depth explorations of animal behavior and evolution. Who knew?
0: Number five. You don't need a degree in ethology to know that humans have been using animals as allegorical tools for as long as we have been telling stories. Indigenous peoples often feature animals in their folklore and highlight the connection between human traits and animals. In modern media, we see anthropomorphized characters used in stories for children, such as Peppa Pig, the dogs in Paw Patrol, and the ponies in My Little Pony. A recent study published in the Journal of Children and Media found that about 75% of kids' programming had animal characters. While some studies have shown that the use of animals helps boost imagination, others say the disconnect between fantasy and reality negatively impacts children's ability to apply lessons learned to real life. On this podcast, we have talked quite a bit about animal tales, and in previous episodes, we have discussed the African jackal, as well as other trickster animals like the fox and cat. If you want to learn more about animal tricksters, head over to our episode titled The Jackal and the Spring.
1: Alright, Fox, now that we've armed ourselves with this knowledge, I think it's time that we head on out for this week.
0: If you want to hear more from us and find out what our next tale will be, come join us anytime on Twitter at From Enchanted, or Instagram at Tales from the Enchant Forest. Or if you're old school like Sparrow, you can email us at Forest at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your questions, comments, and suggestions, so if you have anything to share, please don't hesitate. And remember, travelers, if you enjoyed what you heard today and what we do here, please give us a review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts. It helps the podcast grow and reach new travelers to join us on these adventures. Thank you so much, travelers. And remember,
1: there's always a place for you in the Enchanted Forest.